0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Being alone also takes technique, right? And I think a lot of times people get lost in the idea that being alone just means stepping away and going to do something or going to do nothing, right? Or go lie on your bed for 10 minutes but oftentimes that, that lacks maybe a certain technique or, or uh, an understanding of what to do with that time. And when we don't have techniques or skills or uh, tools, then it makes things quite scary, right? It makes things terrifying or it makes things just unknown. But when we have certain skills or techniques or tools or apps or things that just kind of maybe support us in that time when we're by ourselves, it actually makes the time more precious, it makes it arguably more exhilarating, more interesting, because I can spend some time not having to deal with that, to discuss that, think about that, because I have maybe a certain amount of uh, tools to help me take this time purposefully.
0: You're listening to The Alonement Podcast, hosted by me, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It. Each week, I interview an inspiring new guest about the time they spend alone and why it matters to them. Ultimately, at the heart of every episode is one central question. What turns solitude into a positive, fulfilling experience? Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. Michael James Wong is the founder of global mindfulness collective Just Breathe. And earlier this year, he launched a brilliant meditation app of the same name. He is committed to bringing mindfulness to people around the world, whether that's through his in-person events, which in the past have attracted over a thousand participants, or through being connected online. He's also just about the calmest person I've ever spoken to. His latest book, Sen Bazuru, Small Steps and Gentle Wisdom to Heal the World, really speaks to Michael's less is more philosophy. In this conversation, we discuss the value of bringing the quiet, stillness, and calm of mindfulness to our alone time, even if that's just 10 minutes a day. Michael also introduces me to the idea of inaction skills, which is basically a skill set around doing nothing. Harder than it sounds, apparently. Enjoy listening wherever you are, and I hope you reap the benefits of taking this time for yourself to listen. You are synonymous with all things mindfulness. You inspire so many people to take a break and have that quiet time alone for themselves. What's your personal relationship like with alone time?
1: I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of being alone, I suppose. I mean, growing up, I was in a big family, a uh, middle child of three siblings. So for me, being alone was very much my time and it was very much a moment to kind of, step away and just really appreciate that, you know, I didn't need to be in the action, didn't need to be away from it. And that's kind of carried through uh, my whole life. You know, even before I got into this work and these practices, it was just quite naturally for me, a very comfortable place to be where I wasn't, uh, where I didn't need to be anywhere else. And so, you know, as I get older, it's, you know, it's an enjoyable thing. Albeit at times a challenging thing. You no, know, but, but it is still something I really appreciate having moments to step away and, and to find that quiet spot.
0: Hmm. I like that you use the word comfortable because I think that's often the crux of it. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I come at this as a natural extrovert who used to find time alone very, very uncomfortable above all else. So I think it, it is interesting. How much do you think that that comfort? around alone time is something that we can cultivate, even if it doesn't come naturally to us.
1: I think being alone is actually not a natural thing in the way that that we live these days, you know, from a very, very young age, if not from the moment we're born, we're around the company of others, you know, if we're lucky enough, you know, we've got parents, we've got siblings, we've got friends and family, you know, we're always... Uh, in community, in connection, which is such a valuable thing. But often what that does lead us to then grow into is a lack of connection when we are alone. And so discomfort of being without or being in those moments when we're not around people. And a lot of times by by nature of how the world works, you know we're always uh, we always like to be stimulated. We always like to be connected. And so even when we are uh, either stepping away or have been told to step away, our minds still doing things we're still really fascinated with connection we try to distract ourselves with reading a book or watching tv or you know even just looking at you know different trees outside in the backyard and so when we're actually stepping away into alone time and making that purposeful action to being alone it can be uncomfortable and it is uncomfortable a lot of times because it's not something that we're overly familiar with unless we choose it to be something we do Often and regular, so this discomfort that we feel oftentimes is just a nature of, uh, you know, just something that's new, and so it's not it's not a thing that lasts forever. It's just a, a newness of a new experience that we have this beautiful opportunity to, to get comfortable with in time.
0: That's interesting. So you're saying it's almost a condition that's a modern condition of not being comfortable being alone because modern life has so many things that sort of enable us to distract from it would you say that there's anything deeper than that would you say there's anything more sort of almost you know universal sort of to our human condition that stops us from wanting to be alone or do you think it's just simply a modern day thing that we've become not very good
1: at Uh, I mean it's hard to say and obviously I mean it's it's not my uh, exact expertise but I think from my own experiences you know I think modern life exacerbates it a lot more you know, we live in a fast-paced life, regardless of where you live. Um, we are socialized the believing that connection is the highest form of decency, and so, you know, I think there is, a, let's call it a, a, a an innate being within us that we're just unfamiliar with and uncomfortable being with our own thoughts, being you know within our within our own moments, because we spend most of our lives doing things instead of being in a moment, being quiet, stepping away, being alone. And so naturally it is a bigger challenge. And while it is expanded in modern times, I think maybe if you step back and look out into things like into maybe more natural environments or let's call it when you're on holiday at the beach, you know, we're, we're, we're better at being alone on holiday. We're better at being alone when there's nothing on the agenda. We're better at being alone when we're sick right? These kind of ingrained behaviours are actually there. We're just easily distracted that we need to be connected.
0: Mm, That's such a good point. I don't know, I can't think of many situations where we'd feel like we can just sort of lie back and do nothing um, and, you know, not look at our phones in the same way that we might do when we're lying on, on a sunbed on holiday. Do you think that there's, you know, something to do with being able to to rest that enables that ability to be to be comfortably alone.
1: I mean, I, when you when you speak about rest, rest is an interesting uh, uh, concept because rest obviously is. You know, we can talk about it in a physical state of ease or replenishment or reprieve from from a mindset or a, a, a mental well being point of view. Rest is the inactivity of overt thinking or or. Or creative thinking Um, and so when we start to look at rest in that unique way uh, being alone supports that absolutely Uh, but it's actually for me the way I look at it is it comes from a choice of uh, or it comes from a place of choice and permission I'm choosing to step away I'm giving myself, myself permission to not need to be so fascinated by what everyone else is doing in the other room right or in the other event or whatever it is. So, you know, we often find that, you know, if say we're going on holiday and we're on the beach, you know, you make that make that choice. I'm on the beach. I'm enjoying myself. I'm going to give my permission, myself permission not to need to do anything else. And oftentimes when the mindset shifts or we look at uh, that sense of intentionality shifting a different way, it starts to show up in the physical body. It starts to show up in the way we can use our alone time because being alone is just a matter of. I mean, for a lot of us, being alone is just the, the matter of stepping into a space by ourselves. But then the bigger option is what you do while you're there.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Which is where, which is where our concepts, I think, really marry so well together. I mean, I've been using the Just Breathe app for the past few weeks. You know this because I've been telling you how much I've been enjoying it. And I think, you know, I, I think it, it, it's very. To, begin with it's very fitting with how we live you know we spoke about you know the modern day while there are so many distractions and actually being able to have something where you can put you know short periods of time but short meaningful bouts of time to be to to meditate to actually have that sense of intentionality but without it you know having to be a giant time commitment is really important um you know in that That has been another thing in my toolkit of being comfortably alone. Do you think that that aloneness is an important part of, for instance, using your app or following?
1: Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I mean, it goes hand in hand and I appreciate the fact that, that you enjoy the app and it's, you know, it's there as a tool to support. I mean, what's really interesting about it is that, you know, we, we live in a culture now where everything's based on uh, the return of the investment, right. And usually what's the return on the time that we're allocating towards things. right? And so oftentimes when we step away to be alone, it's, Oh, am I wasting time or how am I using this time or, I don't like this time because I'm having to sit with my thoughts. It's all time related because time is this commodity that we tend to see as such a vast, um, you know, such a such a big thing that supports our well being, right? It supports the, uh, the way in which we live. And so, for us, when we have that, you know, when we built the app and created it, it was how do we create something to do that's less than what you're doing in the first instance. At the same time, it's realizing how do we support and educate people on what to do with that time? Because being alone also takes technique, right? And I think a lot of times people get lost in the idea that being alone just means stepping away and going to do something or going to do nothing, right? Or go lie on your bed for 10 minutes. But oftentimes that that, that lacks maybe a certain technique or or, uh, an understanding of what to do with that time. And when we don't have techniques or skills, or uh, tools, then it makes things quite scary, right? It makes things terrifying, or it makes things just unknown. But when we have certain skills or techniques or tools or apps or things that just kind of maybe support us in that time when we're by ourselves, it actually makes the time more precious. It makes it arguably more exhilarating, more interesting, because I can spend some time not having to deal with that to discuss that think about that because I have maybe a certain amount of uh tools to help me take this time purposefully
0: Mm. Mm. I love I love that you use that language around technique and you know and tools and you know it does it does build into that notion of it being a skill set because I think quite often we talk about skills around social skills um you know around the the way that we treat time with others, how to network effectively, how to, you know, forge meaningful relationships. And of course, all of that's very important, but I think actually having that skill set around our alone time. And, you know, and I talk about this in my book as well, solitude skills. I think that they're they're crucial and we don't really, I suppose it's it's actually spelling that out that we don't really do very often. Um, and I think, you know, being able to have something, like I, I think that the the foundational solitude skill is being able to sit with your thoughts and and devote that time to them and, you know, daily, or even just to sit with yourself. And I think that just breathe has become, uh, your app has become a really important part of doing that for me. I do think it's really important that we know it can be learned, um, and not just something that comes to people who are in the case of mindfulness, people who are naturally very Calm,
1: yeah. I mean, it's interesting though. I mean, a lot of people who let's say are more mindful or meditate or in this space, that's not how their life started, you know, that's not how they were as a younger person. You know, I've got lots of friends and fellow colleagues and people in the community who are like, you know, when I was, you know, 18 years old, my life was, you know, 100% in the other direction loud, extroverted, big, noisy, busy. And, And actually, you know, the reality is, is when we talk about tools and techniques, you know, we're always taught these kind of skills for actions, you know, do this and that can do that thing, but it's the skills and the tools for inaction that aren't really taught, that are missed and overlooked. But actually, as we go through life, we're very easily uh, taught how to deal with busyness, very easily taught how to deal with actions, right? It's something that just happens by the nature of the currency and the speed of how life works. And so having these, let's call it techniques that help us with inaction, that's the foreign skill set that people are missing right now, because you go through life, through school, through jobs, through universities, through whatever it is, everything is action oriented. So there's so much insight, information, so much influence and inspiration around action. There's so many books written about action, so many movies that are action movies but it's there is a lacking and a discrepancy in inaction, in in quiet, in, in being alone, and that's the the need, the greatest need I think right now for people to understand and to learn those skills that support inaction and quietude.
2: Mm,
0: I like that inaction skills. This is great. I think we're just developing this. Um, I don't know a new education almost. The, the syllabus has been completely turned upside down, and now we're looking for the all the you know inaction movies and the inaction mm, skills and all exactly. of that and where do you think that the idea of moderation comes into that because you know again one of the sort of practically one of the usps of your app is that you can introduce it in a really moderate small way into your life and you know and also with your most recent book um send send you know small steps for hope healing and happiness that is all about those small moderate bits of time and and, and tools so so where where does that idea come in
1: yeah I mean moderation for me is the output of awareness I don't think a lot of times when we think about moderation or small steps or simple actions it's really about understanding am I aware of what's going on am I aware of how busy I am So I need to slow down. Am I aware of how much I've taken on board or said yes to, so I should do less? Or am I aware of how my life used to be and how I'd like it to be? And so to be moderate is to be more aware, to have more choices, to spend my time more meaningfully. So, I mean, this idea of moderation or consciousness or wise choices or discipline, you know, you can call it many different things, but the essence and the root of it all Uh, at least the way that I look at it and teach from it is that it comes from self-awareness. It comes from, are you aware of what your options are? Are you aware of what's in front of you? Are you aware of your behaviors, your past, your patterns, your triggers, your temptations? Are you aware of what actually makes you feel good as opposed to what you think feels good? Are you aware of what social influences you have? Are you aware of, um, you know, what people around you pull your attention? And so with all of this self-awareness, can we then make, wise choices can we moderate the way in which we um use our time so it's meaningful moderation isn't about doing less it's not about doing things that aren't enjoyable it's about making things more meaningful and oftentimes it's quality over quantity when we look at that that concept
0: Hmm. interesting and i know you know i know we spoke about inaction but in this case moderate as a verb makes a lot of sense because it is something that you're proactively doing. It's not just a value of having small amounts of something. It's also that sense of intention and awareness. Mm. You said that a lot of people that come to mindfulness, you know, they're not necessarily people who started off calm or started off wanting much time to themselves. I know that, you know, as a background that, you know, you have been someone that's always appreciated alone time, introversion, quietness. But, you know, have you always had that? This, I mean, this amazing, contagious sense of calm that you have these days, even over Zoom. I can feel it. Do you, has that always been you? Uh,
1: I think for me, it's always been a, a big part of my character. Um, I think for everyone though, it's going to be different. There's times in my life where things are, let's say far more exciting or loud or busy or moments of stressful, you know, uh, you know, Christmas holidays, the family, you know, things are always going to be stressful at times and things are always going to kind of move the needle either way. I think, you know, where oftentimes we think, uh, being more mindful as I'm here at point A, and I'm going to be a bit quieter at point B. We look at this almost like a a trajectory or a journey or a uh, you know a, a, a path in which we have to walk. A lot of times, it's just a, a crossroads. You know, we arrive at it sometimes, and we move away from it other times. Um, you know, there's always decisions on how we can be a bit more meaningful and how we spend our time. And you know, if you have, if you have, or you are, if you're someone with a big personality and extroverted nature, you like to do lots and lots of things. Perhaps the opportunity is is to notice when you feel a little bit. Like you've done too much, a little burned out, a little too loud, because naturally, I think we can all feel that on no matter what end of the, the conversation you're at. You know, I know that I can be quite calm and gentle and easy with things. And so to be more mindful isn't to pacify me. It's to make me more aware of actually, this is more of an opportunity to be more excited, to spend more energy, to, to laugh, to have fun, to go out, you know, and it's, it's the practice. These practices, these quiet practices are just ways to listen more. So you can choose when to speak, to stand up, to use your energy, to attend events. It's not about to pull you away from life. It's about to give you far more choice and to give you far more clarity in how you want to spend each moment.
0: That is so fascinating um, because that is that it can actually, that it, it can actually reinforce it can actually help you either side, you know, I think that people think, "Oh, I don't need to, yeah, I'm a calm person, I don't need to meditate, I don't need to do much introversion because that's what comes naturally to me, but that's what you're saying is really interesting because it almost represents it's almost it's almost like by doing the mindfulness by doing that work, you can then give yourself a crossroads, but you can't see the crossroads if you're not if you haven't taken that time to reflect either way.
1: Yeah. I mean, when we look at it as, as a wider understanding of its benefits and not trying to make us quieter or make us better in those sense, I, I like to look at it as essential behaviors right, or essential necessities, the same way as you need to sleep, you need to eat, you need time with yourself, right? You need time to be alone, to, to be quiet. You need time and in social interaction, right? When we look at um, typical models of psychological and social,
0: Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
2: Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row. Dreaming of something better? Well
1: Uh, mental health, you have physical health, you have social health, you have um, spiritual or hopeful health, you know, and all of that are cornerstones towards the same building, the same house, right? And it's it's that realization that actually, as much as we need community, we also need self awareness and, and self reflection and quiet times. As much as we need physical strength, health, and well being, we need mental resilience. Uh, resistance, and, you know, uh, enlivenment. And so when we start to look at it as an essential behavior, we realize it actually supports everything we want to do in our life. And if if we use that money for building a house, then actually at the end of the day, all of these essential necessities that we're doing in and around our life is just building a structure so we can live inside the house, so we can throw parties inside the house, so we can sleep inside the house, so we can have quiet time, but we can also have family time, right? And so it's not about this is the event or the occasion it's this is the support or the mechanism that allows me to live in a way that's meaningful valuable and in in ways that I really enjoy myself
0: yeah I, that's completely blown my mind actually in the way that I look at it and I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm interested on this podcast I don't shy away from the fact that alone is a spectrum it's not just about Alonement's the positive side of solitude. It's also about loneliness, because sometimes you know the two can coexist even in the same evening. And you know I, I'm curious, how does a mindfulness practice almost shape someone's attitude towards loneliness? Do you think that it do you think that it can be you know potentially a practice that helps? Do you think it's a practice that just brings you awareness where does Where does that fit in?
1: Yeah, I mean, when we look at mindfulness as as a perspective, right, or as a filter in which we can kind of look at all situations, we want to appreciate the fact that you know we're recognizing what is without trying to judge what should be. Um, you know, from my own personal experience, you know, I can be I can be really content and super happy being alone, as in by myself in a room or by myself out on a walk. But I so, I can also be really lonely in a room of a uh, hundred people that I don't know and feel like I just have no one to talk to, right? I think, you know, we've probably all had the experience of being invited as like a plus one to an event or uh, going to a work event where you literally just walk in and you're like, I feel really lonely because everyone else knows each other. Everyone else is doing something. I've got no relationship to the context of this thing, but I'm here and attending, um, you know, and, and so it's not the environment, but it's maybe the way in which we perceive the situation. Right. You know, I've had lots of times in my life where I've felt lonely because I've been far away from family and friends or I've felt like um, maybe I'm just not seeing with enough clarity what I should be doing with life or work or you know, just having down moments. And I think that's OK. And I think it's important to recognize that because, again, as always, uh, in the culture that we live in, we spend a lot of time trying to very quickly fix things that we perceive are wrong or shouldn't be. And being lonely is, like it or not, a natural part of being human, right? It's saying, oh, well, I'm always happy. Well, no one's always happy. You, know? you can not be happy, but you can also, the opposite of happy is not always sad. It's just, I'm not happy, right? I can be okay. I can be content. I can be distracted. I can be interested. Doesn't mean I'm sad. But in the times when I am sad and I feel upset or I feel um, disconnected or disingenuine, you know, we can easily go, well, this is wrong. This is incorrect. This is, this is not what life should be about. You know, what we need to do, I believe is we look at that as opportunity for awareness. How do we feel? What's creating the feeling? Maybe what are the conditions around me that are keeping me here? and then it's that with that self-awareness we can then choose what is my next step how do i want to go from here what is the action for this inaction and when we do that and we start to recognize this all we're really doing is giving ourselves more realistic human experiences without layering on the shoulds or should be's or i wants or the desires or this is wrong this is right this is happy this is sad this is good this is bad
0: mm. Mm, I love that. And that, and that, I suppose, um, I suppose that goes for any negative emotion, really, doesn't it? You know, it's that, all those feelings, I suppose, that, you know, when you go to a party, and you might feel lonely in a room full of people, which I think is a really important thing to be you know, attentive to, but you also might be aware that you, of the other things that might be feeding into that loneliness, that it's not just loneliness, it might be, I, I, you know, I can only speak for my own experience of parties, but, you know, sometimes I feel maybe like I'm not the quite quite the right fit for the crowd sometimes or you know, those kind of feelings. So I, I suppose, do you, do you think it maybe almost allows us to separate what's going on in our heads as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it gives you that moment to, oftentimes when we look at these kind of practices, it's the space between reaction and response. It's that elongation of recognition, um and i think a lot of times what can happen when we have a negative bias towards uh emotions that we feel shouldn't be the case you know sadness loneliness um a lot of it is loaded with expectation oh i shouldn't feel sad in this moment oh, I shouldn't feel uh, disappointed in this moment. I shouldn't feel lonely because I've got all these things around us. And so we're loading our emotions with expectation, usually the expectations of ourselves within society or the expectations of others that they place upon us. And so it becomes a, a, a loaded experience. And so your emotions are never authentically uh, experienced. They're always experienced in a way that always has um, a, a perspective, outward perspective as opposed to inward feeling.
0: And how about the I know that a lot of the brilliant work you've done um, in the past and, you know, in a much wider level with your app is about connecting people as well. And, you know, particularly I I read that you I think it was, the, was it was at the British Museum where you did a mindfulness session. Yeah. and I, I love I love that notion of alone togetherness, I suppose. Um, I think it's it's really interesting sort of nuance when you think about communities based around effectively practices that are done
1: yeah i mean i mean i i mean all of my work is very much built off the back of building and celebrating strong communities um you know where oftentimes i mean you'll know this better than anyone else where the idea of being alone can be seen as a negative you know we can reframe that as a sense of just inwardness or just personal opportunity or self-awareness with the just breathe community it's built off people being together not needing to show up with ego or identity, not needing to say what you do for work, not needing to say how many kids you have, not needing to say kind of how much money you make or what kind of car you drive or just what part of town you live in. You can just show up as a human being. You can just show up as yourself, saying today I feel happy. Oh, today I'm really interested. Today I just feel a bit different and un, uh, you know, you know, unsure of what's going to happen in this in this event. And what's nice about that and what we've seen over the years is that there's a lot of people that really appreciate not coming to spaces that have expectations loaded upon them. So, you know, we've done the British Museum a few times over the years. We've had a thousand people sitting, chatting, uh, listening to music and live performances, meditation as a group, you know, with its alone togetherness. Um, but it's really, really, it's been a beautiful kind of experience over the years to see how much people are needing these kind of spaces because most all the spaces that we end up in come with a oh what do you do for work oh well what part of town do you live in or oh tell me tell me what value you offer to this conversation and I think it's been a rarity at least in the circles that I've been in the communities that I've been a part of to have these spaces where people can actually just be themselves.
0: Hmm. There's a part in my book where I talk about how it's so often that the first question we we'll I ask people is what. Do you do, and so I love what you're saying about actually, you know, it not being, you know, what yeah, what values you have in this situation, but just simply what what are you? Where where are you right now?
1: Well, exactly. I mean, when we have all of our events, we have a standing set of rules or guidelines that we share, and the first one is always talk about who you are, not what you do. Mm. And I think that gives a lot of people straight away. People get this. "Ah, Okay, I don't have to tell you I'm a math teacher. I don't have to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm this or I'm that, right? Um, the the second rule that we often talk is we we always say, you know, you don't have to talk, but it's nice if you listen. And I think a lot of times as well, when people come to spaces, they think there's an expectation to tell their story. And I think that's unfair to load that on people. Um, And then the the third, the third guide we always give is, you know, uh, uh, give no judgment because at the end of the day, that is the biggest part about showing up in uncertain situations. Someone going, Oh, you wore that shirt. Oh, you're from that part of town. Oh, you're one of those people, right? And we can do that very, uh, uh, you know, we can do that in a very uh, unoffensive way or we think is unoffensive by just saying, oh, wow, you're, you know, you're really young. Oh, wow, you're really smiley today, right? You're You're still judging people by how they're showing up and by giving people that space to say, you know what, there's no space for judgment here. Uh, you don't have to speak, but listening is a great way to connect and, you know, show up as who you are, not what you do. And straight away, I've seen that people just soften. People feel that space is welcoming. And so it allows this sense of being in a space alone, because a lot of people come by themselves, feeling a part of something, but also having no sense of loneliness because there's this really strong sense of everyone's there together and everyone belongs.
0: So we've come to the end of, you know, an 18-month period where we haven't been able to have those events in person. And, you know, I think that that for a lot of people, even though Zoom has filled in to some extent, that has caused a bit of a gap. Um, You know, from your experience, do you think that, you know, the people that are members of your community and from what you're hearing, you know, have have people been really missing that? Has that been a force in itself, for loneliness, that lack of, in-person connection?
1: I think people have been missing in-person connection I mean I know I have um, and I think it's just you know an unfortunate outcome of kind of the past 18 months is that we haven't had those opportunities there haven't been moments events um, gatherings like that at the same time I think there's been a lot of new new beginnings for a lot of people a lot of of the experiences people haven't had and actually I think um, you know, there's been a lot of moments people might have experienced um, the the benefit of quieter times at home. But I think now it's kind of kind of what's happened over this past eighteen months is we've all been, and I tend to talk about, we've all been given or gifted the exact opposite end of the spectrum, the the complete swing in the other way. And while I don't think it's sustainable, nor do I think that we should maintain the way that we gather and connect on Zoom and and all these kind of things. I think what we've done is given people a sense of personal experience on what quietness can be. And now as we kind of emerge back into, uh, let's call it a, a new sense of normalcy, it's about finding that balance of both, you know, finding what is our own personal equation for what uh, keeps us well, and you know, and for some people, that's working from home and being alone in our time to be more productive, and it's to intentionally and go show up for events, to be in places where there are other people, to make those connections more meaningful, and really notice how much value we get when we're around people. Because before all this, you know, a lot of people would be out five nights a week, they'd go to four events a week, they'd go to, they'd be in an office with a hundred people, and being around people just kind of almost uh, dampened the dampened the connections because it was just so obvious and so overt and all the time. And I think maybe, just maybe, a lot of us have experienced that sense of aloneness and loneliness. And now as we reemerge, we don't take things for granted. We don't take lunches for granted with friends. We don't take conversations with friends at work for granted. We don't take the theater, uh, the concerts, the book clubs Whatever for granted.
0: Yeah, I think that's so. I think it it is interesting, also. Yeah, thinking about sort of quality of connection. I think it's certainly something that you know. And I'm, I'm an extrovert. I definitely come to it as someone who loves parties. But since being, you know, since having this period of being deprived of those connections for so long, I think that even, even my attitude towards parties now, I'm much more mindful around things like how much i drink you know i i i'm i'm very likely to drink less because i want to connect more and i think even you know little changes like that um can make a big difference and so yeah i i agree it's not i suppose it's it's very easy to focus on what we've lacked and i think that's good in so far as in so far as it allows us to remember how important they are like connection and you know perhaps for anyone that's been in a very, very busy household the whole time, like quiet. But, you know, I think that also it would be sad to think that we come out of this time with almost nothing to nothing to show for it in terms of what we've learned because it has been a really profound period. Um and yeah, and I think there are, as you know, it, like as you say, it does help us find that, I suppose, personal balance that we all want to be striving for.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that has to be the case. I mean, it, a lot I mean, I hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, what did you do during lockdown? Like you were supposed to achieve something grand." Um, you know, if uh, I I'd like to think that if when that question's asked, we can just simply, you know, say with that we've spent a lot of time gaining perspective. And when we do that, it can actually help us move forward, and that actually is one of the most beneficial things as we make our way forward.
0: It is. It puts us at that crossroads um the you know the, the crossroads that being having those moments of meditation during your day can give to you that sense of intentionality I'm curious so we're talking about getting the balance and of course we've talked about loneliness we've talked about aloneness moving on to alonement and you know I'm always curious when I ask introverts about alonement because you know some sometimes people will say well yeah you know duh like you know alone month, time alone can be good it's always been naturally something that seems seems obvious but you know I I'm I'm interested whether you have particular times in your day or you know perhaps even moments in your life where alone has been particularly relevant and you know time alone has been particularly fulfilling for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I would hate to be the cliche in, in your conversations where time alone for me is always going to be meaningful and relevant, um, not just because of the, the nature of the work. It's just the nature of my character and my personality. Um, you know, I get a lot of uh, value or a lot of, uh, I guess, you know, a lot of fulfillment by having time to not be overly distracted. Right. And, and and that's not just sitting in the garden or going for a walk, because in some ways, those are distractions as well. Um, you know, I come from a background in discipline as well Is that when you're doing certain practices, it's in the dark or you're in a room with no distractions. You're staring at a wall. You're you're doing things where you're proactively choosing less and not even allowing your sight or your or sounds or, you know, anything that can arguably be a distraction. any externalization. Is a distraction. And so when you maybe multiply that out into the real world and you look at how alone it can have this sense of, um, at least for me, huge value is how do we appreciate that when we are alone in whatever context we want to call it, that there's a sense of contentment, sense of ease, uh, a sense of not needing. And I think that's for me where the value is, is can I be in a space where I don't need anything, but I feel like I have everything. I can sit in a room and not go oh I need my phone or I need a sandwich or I need to go for a walk or I need fresh air right can I just be alone without needing
0: and how do you reach that state is it is this as basic as you know uh, sort of you know fed, texted everyone you need, needed to dogs walked is it is it just a kind of getting through your to-do list or is there more to it
1: Uh, I, I, I'd like to say there's a little bit more to it. I mean, I think there's a glimmer of it that we can all find quite naturally. Um, and and this is where the discipline of, of, of sitting with teachers, of having mentors of having people who maybe have just spent more time and experience and have techniques or skills that they can share. And, you know, for me, a lot of it is, you know, it's not actually, have I done my to-do list so now I can kind of, um, spend some time at ease because that's still achievement oriented. A lot of it is just, can I uh, listen to, or find a different way of considering this time that sparks a light bulb that switches on um, part of my brain that I haven't considered, or, you know, just gives you a perspective that you go, Oh, actually this helps that. And for, for so many people, it's once we intellectualize the value, then we actually create space for the experience to be the value
0: Mm, that's interesting so for you it's not it's not a question of how to make alone time bearable it's not a question of how to make alone time good it's a question of how to make it even better
1: uh yeah it's how to make it even better but how to understand its essential value um i think quite naturally humans are skeptical you know and when we are skeptical we want things not to work right so yeah and we see this in things like a meditation practice or you might see this in things like fitness you might see this things in like cooking right it's a bit like say you're baking a cake and uh you know your friend says okay well it's going to take 90 minutes to bake the cake the moment it turns but the moment that your cake burns and it's been 87 minutes you're now angry you're upset you're skeptical about will this ever work again and so we we try to, unfortunately, as humans, because we're so intellectual and because we're so um, we we like to understand systems and how things work. The moment something doesn't line up, we lose our trust in it, and we lose it. We 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 stop seeing value in it, even though it's just a one-off experience. Right? It's a bit like you go to the gym and you work out; nothing happens, and you don't feel anything the next day. You go, "Oh, this thing doesn't work." Or you sit down for a meditation. You go, "Oh, it was really annoying." So this thing doesn't work. We, we look at one-off occasions as ways to qualify a whole experience or a path of experiences. And so often when I look at it is that, you know, sit with people who've done it every day for a while. Sit with people who have gone through the process of learning or diving deeper. Sit with people or surround yourself with people who maybe have done a bit more intellectual diligence and experiential experience and let that be a way to maybe give you a little insight into what the experience could be if we stop trying to make it a experience we want it to be
0: michael thank you so much Uh, i think there's so much crossover between what we talk about and i've i've learned so much more about alone month from talking to you and i think that you know so many people listening to this will be integrating much more mindfulness into their alone practice if they're not already so thank you so much
1: oh well thank you for having me it's so nice to chat
0: Hey guys, I really hope you're enjoying the show. While this particular episode may have come to an end, the conversation is just beginning. Head over to alonement.com to hear more about alonement and sign up to our free monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on Instagram at alonementofficial. Oh, and remember that sharing is caring. So if you got something from this episode, why not share with a friend?